that. That'd be good. Man, y'all smell that popcorn? Oh, my word, that smells good. Let me move that up just a little bit. I'm going to get out here in front. Howdy, gang. Hey. Man, I got, I need, I'm going to say this because I, I feel real led to say it, so I will. I'll be free in that. Um, I have a feeling that in a, in a, even in a group this size, I, don't, I, don't, I think it doesn't matter what size group, especially whenever there's special attention given to the Lord's Supper. And that we can talk about that we are partaking of the Lord's Supper, or the communion, or the Holy Eucharist, whatever the word is that you may be familiar with it by. That sometimes somebody just may not participate because of what's been going on in their world. So if that hit anybody tonight, if you, were, if you were sitting in your seat and we were singing and we were worshiping and you were going, man, I just, I just can't. If, if, I just can't. If anybody knew what was going on in my world, I just, it's, just, uh, it's just nasty. It's just not good. And if you stopped yourself from getting on the red carpet, then what, you, what we've said in that moment is that Jesus isn't enough. Gang, I got incredibly great news for you. He is enough. He is more than enough. So at the end of tonight, I want to give you another opportunity that when we close down and that when we sing, let tonight be the first night you take your foot off your own neck. Come on now. Everybody else with me? Come on. And we'll celebrate that big week. Because if there's anybody that knows how to whoop ourselves, it's us. Because we know where to kick and prod and probe, don't we? So not here. Not in this safe place. Alright, grab your book. Or screen. We're going to be in 1 Peter. Man, I'm glad you're here. Uh, Deb, Rob, ML, Pow Pow, Chris, Donna. Wow. Thank you. Man. So incredibly cool. Did y'all see all the camera flashes when y'all went on the runway? It wasn't for y'all, it was for Jesus. <laughs> they were taking pictures of the Jesus in you. That's what it was. But man, it's blinding. Now you know why people wear those sunglasses, right? Those lights are blinding. Taking all those photos. Well, last week we came across this word. It was pretty cool called charisma. We started having fun with that. We're going to have a little bit more fun with it tonight. Because it does mean, I'm going to remind us, and when, you, when you've got your screen open or your book open, look over into 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Peter's writing this letter. And he tells us, he says here in verse 10, he says, God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And we just looked underneath that just a little bit. And remember, we took ourselves to CC's and we said, look, what this really kind of looks like in an illustration is that God has you, you're His cup, and you go into CC's and they got all those gazillion of flavors and he's going, look, all right, I want you to be peanut butter frosting. And, and he pours you out into that cup. You remember that? And 
said he did that on purpose. And so to mirror it, he says now, you've got this great variety of spiritual gifts. And so he's taking you, the cup, and he's going over to his buffet of toppings and he's just sprinkling all this stuff onto you on purpose. And he's making it for him. He's going to enjoy you, the cup of CC's, for him. But he also wants you to do that for one another. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight because just to remind ourselves that that word charisma, it means extraordinary power that we receive with no merit. Remember, if you're the cup and you got the toppings, you had nothing to do with that. Right? You got these cool gifts, man. And so we found out that that word serve and ministry in a lot of cases that you see them in the book are the same. It's the Greek word diakoneo. If you've traveled in the halls any at all in this thing called Christendom, you probably have heard this word deacon. That's where that word comes from. And it just simply means to serve. It's, again, it's not an office. I know that there's a lot of times that that's used. Being, it's a function. Alright? Teaching, there are people that are labeled teachers, but they're not labeled that until they do the function of teaching. Therefore, it is a function. It's an outflow of how God has made them in their spiritual gifts. It's their overflow. Is that, you, you with me in that? And so what it also means is it says that if you are one that is living out diakoneo, if you are one that is living out and serving one another, what he's saying is that you are really good at collecting and bringing stuff in, charities, and then pouring it right back out to anyone that has need. To any and everyone that has need. And I'm in a room full of folks that are doing it. Man, you are slaying it. And so what we're telling ourselves here in this room when you come in is that we want to teach you how to teach others. Because sometimes it's hard. What do you mean, Bivo? Sometimes. <laughs> Heck, all the time. There's some that just don't want to take to the teaching. Right? Me included. You go, dang, have you ever tried to live life with Bivo? That rascal's hard-headed. He's stubborn. Like, he's a mule. What in the world? And so we're going to keep this thing going, so we go, alright, look. But the thing that we do have to recognize is that when someone, especially when we start using this word ministry, this is where I want, I want us to really start flowing through this and transform and renew your mind in how we answer some particular questions. In the early going, a lot of folks would come up. It, it, this happens a lot, gang. And I, and I really do, almost every time, deflect it out. Because I believe we are answering it incorrectly as a body. Someone will say, hey, Bibbo, how's your ministry? Alright, I can relate to that. But a lot of times, the people are looking for a number. Think about the times you've asked, hey, where, what's going on in your ministry? Well, it's not necessarily just mine. What's going on in my world? So really, what we're asking someone, we say, hey, look, what's going on with you? What's going on in your ministry? What's going on? How are you going about in living out your charisma your extraordinary power in collecting things 
and sending them right back out. That's what the word means. Ministry. You with me? That's what serve means. It means that, man, we're bringing this stuff in and we're just pouring it right back out. That's why we do the bucket in the way that we do. Praise God, 98 cents of every dollar that goes in the bucket goes right back out. You are collecting and sending it back out. So what I think people are really starting to ask is that there's asking, how are you doing what you're doing? Why? What's going on in your world? Heck, let's think of it in this way. How did Peter, the words that we just read, how did Peter get to the point where he's sitting down and he's writing a letter and he's going, God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Charisma. He's going, yes. Charisma. I know that's going to penetrate them, Lord. Yes. Father, yes, You have given each one of us that. And so he's writing that letter. And so how does he get to the point where he's writing something that's telling a people that they are so compelling and so attractive and that people are going to be so drawn to them by how they live out Jesus? How did he get to that point? Do we ever wonder that? I think sometimes that we've been so walking around in, in the halls that we just take for granted. These guys were people that walked and talked with one another. They had arguments with one another. They lived life with Jesus. And now He's gone. And He's writing letters. That he can't help himself because to let people know after him who this guy Jesus is. And he wants people to know that God has given you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. God has all this charisma and he's blowing it into you on purpose. How did Peter get there? And is there any way that maybe that we can get there? the same way. I mean, let's just take a quick snapshot since we got the runway. Let's put Peter on the runway. You want that? Here he comes, ladies and gentlemen. Peter, dressed in his uh, lamb's wool. He's coming down the runway. There he is with Jesus all full inside of him. He's got charisma flowing through him. Isn't he darling tonight? Right? Did you know his name was Simon? Jesus has his cool way of changing names when he's changed their game. He was Simon. His brother Andrew was hanging out with this guy John, John the Baptist. Andrew heard John the Baptist point Jesus out when he said, Hey, behold the Lamb! Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There he is! He didn't just, I don't think John just went, hey, I'm pretty sure, I think that's the one of God. <laughs> There's no way. Remember how John was raised. So he's screaming it out, and Andrew goes, oh my gosh, I trust this guy, John. Where's my brother, Simon? He goes and finds him. 
Simon, the Messiah has come. I know where he is. You want to go? Simon says, heck yeah. And so isn't that a cool visual game? Get that. Simon takes him to Jesus. He doesn't wait for him to go to Jesus. He says, man, I'm not going to wait. You're going to come with me and I'm going to take you to him. Now, gang, a lot of times we got to do that in the way that we live our life. You're going to have to get in your car and you're going to have to go get somebody and you're going to have to get them here. You got to bring them in here to feel the love that you have. You got to go get in your car. You got to go get somebody and take them to your house. Take them to the Jesus that's in you. Don't pass them off on somebody else. They came in your life for a reason. Because they trust you. Andrew and Simon meet Jesus. Jesus changes His name to Peter, which means rock from the living rock. And he and the boys are off. Hang in here, gang. Buckle up. Peter, being a Galilean, is not afraid to say what's on his heart. He's not afraid to say what he thinks, right? Listen to this. Peter was on the scene. He was part of the inner circle. He witnessed Jesus heal his mother-in-law. He saw water turn into wine. Peter was on the scene when blind men started to see. Peter was on the scene when lame, lame men started to walk. He saw a man named Lazarus come out of a tomb. Peter was on the scene when Jesus fed 5,000 and again another 4,000. Peter was on the scene when the woman, bleeding for years, reached out and touched his cloak and she was immediately healed. Peter was on the scene when the boys had rocks in the hand about to hurl them at a woman that had committed adultery and he started to hear them thud one by one. They walked away. Peter was on the scene. How did he get there? Peter was on the scene for all of the 37 miracles that Jesus performed. Peter was also the one that argued with the others, James and John, about who would sit at the right hand of the Father. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he, he thought that they were going to have this authority. He shied away from Jesus at the Last Supper when Jesus was washing His feet. He thundered away at one of the guards who came to take Jesus away that night at the crucifixion. Peter was on the scene when a girl called out to him and Peter swore three times that he would never say, No! No! No, I'm not with Him! Peter was on the scene. He ran with others to confirm that indeed the tomb was empty. Peter was on the scene when he ran back to the room to wait on the promise of the charisma through the Holy Spirit. Peter was on the scene when he stood up to speak about this man named Jesus at Pentecost and the difference that He will make in your life. And 3,000 came to Him and 119 others. He was on the scene when He said, it's time to model me not relying upon myself, but I'm going to rely upon the charisma of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and me to live this life. Peter was on the scene. What about us? Here's the question for us as we keep going forward. When did Peter accept the gift.
When did Simon turn into Peter who had said no, but then eventually accepted the gift? But let's fold it into us. Have we? There's a lot of folks that will say, and I believe this, when is a gift a gift? When it doesn't have any strings attached. This has strings. Thanks to my bride. Those strings are tied in there very nice. I can't get them off. There we go. Alright, no strings. It's a gift. And a lot of times I think what starts to happen is that, alright, we don't have strings attached to this. No gift. No strings. So when do I accept it? So let's pretend that I've been given this gift. Isn't it pretty? It's a cool gift. I love my gift. Well, what is your gift, Bivo? Isn't it pretty? And don't we have those conversations sometimes? Is that people will blow into you and they'll say, hey, did you know that you have this, this gift of patience? You see, a lot of times I think with us as a body of Christ, whenever we start talking about the gifts and the gifts in the book, for some reason we want to go to those that divide us. You know, in as many years that I've been walking life with folks and we start talking about gifts, no one has ever started wanting to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Those aren't divisive. Let's talk about those. Hey, did you know that you've been given the gift of self-control? It's, it's in the book. And there's some things I've got self-control over. Donut country. Got no gift in that area. <laughs> I'm jumping over that fence every time I get a chance. But we want, to, we want to focus on some of the gifts. And so here's what happens. We get this gift and we go, wow, thanks. What do I do? And every once in a while, someone will keep saying, hey, do you know you, get, you really do have a cool gift, man? Did you know that you're able to serve people like crazy? Did you know that? And you kind of you kind of deflect it a little bit, and then you start living life with a little bit of folks, and you start to trust them, and you say, "Well, well, maybe." You go to a retreat or a conference, and you go and you say, "Well, yeah, I guess I do kind of have that gift." So I'm gonna let maybe a few people see it. I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna let a few people, and so you you, you got it's your gift, right? And so you're just kind of trusting just a few, and you let them. You say. Well, and they say, yeah, I agree with that. And you go, well, not really. No. Not really. But then you, you get more courage. And you say, well, maybe I do. And guess what the gift is? What do you see in that? What's the reflection? It's you. You're the gift. You are Jesus' favorite dwelling place. The only way people can ever see the gift of charisma is through you and through us. Together. Living life so wide open that people can't help but look at what we just said. 
They can't be helped but be held by the attention and the attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. You're the gift. The Jesus and the charisma flowing through you is the gift. Pass it around and look at yourself. Please. And as you look at it, say, thank you, Lord, for equipping me on purpose. So what about Peter? What about us? How do we continue to help a people share their gift? First thing we got to do is help them figure out why they're deflecting it. Because, see, it's like an analogy my bride gave me today. I could take this water in. I hope I didn't make that thing blow up. But if I did, I did. It don't matter. Until I drink it, until I drink it, until I drink it, it ain't going in. And that's what happens to us, gang. When people say, hey, you've got this incredible gift. Thank you. And when you say, no, I don't. Inside, you may not say it outside, but when you say it inside, you will remain malnourished. You will remain thirsty. You'll never take it in. So as we close, if you were to spell the word charisma, spell it with me. C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A. Alright? First part of that word. Spell it with me. C-H-A-R-I-S. Cadiz. Say it again. Cadiz. It means grace. God put it there on purpose. Let your grace of extraordinary power blow people away. Starting in our homes and at work and in our community. Father, thank You. Thank You so much for You being You. Lord, we love You. Lord, as I look and see these other words that says that this extraordinary power is compelling Father, You have made us captivating. Father, the Jesus in us is fascinating. Lord, the Christ in us is exciting. The way that we want to love people, Father, is undeniable. And when they receive it, Lord, it is gripping. So Lord, all these things are extraordinary and 